you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we're celebrating an anniversary. That's right, it has been 10 years since the curse of the Andino and Robert Andino's walk-off single in Game 162 against the Red Sox in 2011 sent the Red Sox home out of the playoffs and allowed the Rays to sneak in. And well, guess who the Orioles are playing again starting tonight with a chance to be spoiler once again. That's right, the Boston Red Sox come to Camden Yards for a three-game series starting tonight, and we will preview Game 1 of that series later in the pod and talk about who might be this year's, potentially, this year's Robert Andino. We're also going to talk a bit about the playoff races in general across baseball, where there still are races in the divisions and in the wild card, and who might make it to the playoffs. And then the other thing we're going to do today, well, we're going to talk about Brandon Hyde, because he received a one-year contract extension last week, or at least it was reported last week and confirmed. We now know that Hyde will be back for the 2022 season, managing the Orioles. And Matt Kremnitzer is going to join the pod once again, who covers the Orioles over at PressBox. We're going to talk about Brandon Hyde getting this one-year extension, what it means to manage under a one-year contract, what it means for Brandon Hyde and his expectations, not just over the last three years, but going into next year, and what he'll have to do to get another contract extension, this time more than one year, and be the manager of a good Orioles team going forward. So that is all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So before we get to the main Orioles talk here on this 10-year anniversary of the curse of the Andino, it's it's kind of wild that it's been 10 years at this point. I mean, I am I'm a younger Orioles fan. I mean, I'm, I'm still 23 years old, but... I vividly remember watching that game and, and experiencing that moment. And, you know, it's, it's crazy that it's been 10 years, and the Orioles have gone through a complete transformation since that happened. They were still the bad Orioles when that happened. Then they became the really good Orioles, and now they're a whole different set of bad Orioles again. It's, it's wild that all that has happened in the last 10 years. But it happened on the last day of the regular season. And here in 2021, that is coming up. Again, we sit here on Tuesday. There are just six days remaining in this Major League Baseball season. This Sunday, October 3rd, is the final game of the regular season. And this is really the final week of the Major League Baseball regular season. So before we get to more Orioles talk and talk about Brandon Hyde and talk about you know this series with the Red Sox, just wanted to jump around Major League Baseball a bit talk about what the playoff picture looks like because you know if you're listening to this podcast every single day or or you know multiple times a week or whatever it may be first of all we thank you so much for making locked on orioles your first listen of the day but with that that means you're not hearing as much playoff talk because we're talking about a team that is 50 and 106 and we've known is not going to make the playoffs pretty much since opening day so wanted to check in on what those races look like so We'll start in the National League, of course, the ones we are a little further away from. And in terms of divisions in the National League, we have one division winner who has locked it up. The Milwaukee Brewers clinched the NL Central this weekend. They are heading to the playoffs with 94 wins at the moment. Now, the other two divisions are still up for grabs. And at this moment, heading into play 
on Tuesday, again, we still could have a, a lot of things change. In the NL East, it is the Atlanta Braves who have the lead by two and a half games over the Philadelphia Phillies. And either of those teams could still win that division. There is a huge series coming up starting tonight, a three-game set in Atlanta between the Phillies and the Braves. The Braves could clinch that division in just this series if they play well and, and do sweep the Phillies. And on the other side of things, the Phillies could potentially take the lead in the division with a three-game sweep. So that is still up for grabs. And then in the NL West, things continue to be back and forth heading into play on Tuesday. The San Francisco Giants have a two-game lead on the Los Angeles Dodgers for the division. Of course, that division is a little different because whoever doesn't win the division will be the top NL wildcard team. In terms of the Phillies, they're not going to make the playoffs, or the Braves, not going to make the playoffs if they don't win that division. For the Giants and the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers are hosting the Padres for three games this week in terms of where those two teams are headed. And on the Giants side, they host the Diamondbacks. So honestly, two series that those teams should pretty much not have a lot of trouble winning. And then unfortunately, the two teams don't play each other this weekend, which would have been nice. Instead, the Giants host the Padres and the Dodgers host the Brewers to finish out the regular season. Then in terms of the NL wildcard, again, the team that doesn't win the NL West, the Dodgers or the Giants, they'll be the wildcard one. And heading into play here on Tuesday, technically the second wildcard has not been decided yet, but the St. Louis Cardinals have a five and a half game lead on the Cincinnati Reds and a six game lead on the Philadelphia Phillies. Those are the only two teams that are still remaining in this wildcard race. That means any St. Louis win over the next week or losses by Cincinnati and Philly at any point will clinch it for the Cardinals. It looks like the Cardinals, who right now are on a 16 game winning streak as we speak, have taken hold of that second wildcard and they will be in the postseason. Now, back over to the American League, where there are probably more things to be sorted out. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays did clinch the AL East over the weekend, so they will be representing the Eastern Division. The White Sox, as we all expected, clinched the AL Central last week. They are kind of coasting into the playoffs. And in the AL West, it has not been clinched yet by the Houston Astros, but they have a five-game lead on the Seattle Mariners and a six-game lead over the Oakland Athletics. You would think with six games to play, they're going to clinch probably either tonight or tomorrow night, and it will be the Astros who win the AL West. So it gets down to the AL wildcard, and that's where the Orioles are going to play a key role in this wildcard race. Now, I'm recording this here on Monday evening, but it is before the really one game with playoff implications happens on Monday. The Orioles weren't the only team off on Monday. There were not many baseball games uh, on Monday. Just five games across Major League Baseball played on Monday, and really only one of them had playoff implications. A 10 p.m. game uh, between the Athletics and the Mariners, who started a huge series in Seattle. So, this will depend on how that game went. Of course, you'll know the result of that one by the time you listen to this. But right now, as we stand, heading into play on Tuesday in the AL wildcard, the New York Yankees, who just swept a three-game series in Boston over the weekend, they hold the top wildcard spot. They have a one-game lead on the Boston Red Sox, who come in at 88-68, and 68, and they currently hold the number two wildcard spot as they head into Baltimore tonight. Behind them, you have the Toronto Blue Jays, who are one game back of Boston for that second spot. And then if Seattle wins this game against Oakland tonight, Seattle will be a game and a half back. Oakland will be three and a half back. If Oakland wins the game tonight, 
each of those teams, Seattle and Oakland, will be two and a half back of Boston for the second spot. So all those teams are still alive. And in terms of you know who they play this week, well, of course, the Red Sox travel to Baltimore to play the Orioles. The Yankees and the Blue Jays are playing each other. And then, as I said, the Athletics and the Mariners are playing each other. So it's even more exciting because all the teams in the race are kind of playing against each other in the American League wildcard. Then they split up a bit over the weekend. The Orioles will, of course, head to Toronto to play the Blue Jays. The Red Sox will go to D.C. to take on the Nationals. The Yankees will host the Rays for three games this weekend. The Athletics will head to Houston to take on the Astros. And then finally, the Mariners will host the Angels. And if I had to make a prediction at this point, I honestly think it's going to be Boston because of the week schedule. Three against the Orioles, three against the Nationals. And I think the Blue Jays are going to handle business against the Yankees and then the Orioles. And they will get in as well. But it will be a fun AL wildcard race to get to know. But we will talk a lot more about the race uh, coming up a little later in the pod when we preview game one between the Orioles and the Red Sox. But wanted to take a look at the biggest news of Orioles news last week that we didn't get to. Brandon Hyde given a contract extension. Of course, when Hyde was hired by the Orioles before the 2019 season to take over for Buck Showalter, he was given a three-year contract. And well, we're right at the end of that three-year contract, 2019, 2020, and 2021. But it was reported first by Dan Connolly of The Athletic last week and confirmed by many other sources and uh, writers that cover the team that Brandon Hyde and the Orioles earlier this season had agreed to a one-year contract extension, meaning Brandon Hyde will be back for at least the 2022 season to manage the Orioles. So we wanted to talk about this news. So Matt Kremnitzer is going to join the podcast coming up in just a bit. He covers the Orioles over at PressBox, has been on this pod multiple times, and Matt's going to join us to talk about what it means for the Orioles that Brandon Hyde is back for one more year, what it'll be like for Hyde next year to manage under a one-year contract, what you know our evaluation should be of Hyde over three years. Can we really evaluate him at this point with having such bad rosters with little talent in his last three seasons? Of course, a lot of losses, but a lot of bad players accumulating a lot of losses. We'll talk about how you evaluate managers in general, and then we'll really look forward to 2022, talk about what Brandon Hyde has to do to get another contract extension to keep him around in Baltimore for a lot longer. So that's all coming up after the break with Matt Kremnitzer covers the Orioles for PressBox. We're talking about Brandon Hyde and his one-year contract extension. So we'll get to our conversation about Brandon Hyde in just a second. But first, hey, Orioles fans, this is Connor Newcomb with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. That's GetUpside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code BASEBALL and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code BASEBALL to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code BASEBALL to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Again, that's promo code BASEBALL. All right, so we welcome Matt Kremnitzer back into the podcast. He covers the Orioles over at PressBox. You've seen him many places over the years. 
uh, covering the O's both uh, in different publications and on Twitter. And Matt, first of all, thank you so much for uh, hopping back in on the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me on. And so we uh, we have you on today to talk about Brandon Hyde as the news breaking this week. Dan Connolly of The Athletic first reporting that uh, earlier this year, the Orioles and Brandon Hyde came to an agreement uh, to extend his contract by one year when he was initially hired by the Orioles before the 2019 season, uh, given a three year deal through 2021. He has been extended one extra year through 2022, which means Hyde will be back for next season. And I just wanted to ask you first, you know, when you first saw the news and the report, was there any surprise from you or had you pretty much expected that, that this would be the case that they'd bring him back for at least one more year? Uh, not a huge surprise. Um, I figured at least one more year. Um, the Orioles seem pretty secretive with how they do contracts and, uh, you know, how things get announced. It's usually pretty secretive. Um, so I think it would have been a pretty big surprise if they had gone in a, a completely different direction based on what we think the team is going to look like next year. Um, so yeah, not, not a, not a huge surprise. And so the, kind of my next question is how do you feel like this works out next year? Because again, you know, all the headlines say extension, but it's, it's one year and it's essentially so Brandon Hyde didn't manage this year on a one-year contract. And now presumably he will go into next year on a one-year contract. And, you know, that can be tough on managers, especially if things are going the wrong way. So, you know, if you were a decision maker next year, like what, what do you feel like you would need to see to put another extension on Brandon Hyde and maybe make it more than, than one year next time? Yeah, that, that's, that's a really good question. Cause I, I don't know what he's going to do because we have no idea what the roster is going to look like next year. Um, we presume that, you know, guys like Rushman and Grayson Rodriguez will be on the team next year. And even though those guys have really high ceilings, I mean, they're not going to be able to lift the Orioles, you know, to, to be a, a even good team next year, maybe, maybe somewhere close to 500 if they have a couple pieces. So maybe, maybe that's the bar. Maybe if, you know, they add a couple good players to those young guys and they start to form a nice core and maybe they're somewhere close to 500, I don't know, within 10 to 15 games. I mean, considering how bad they are this year, it wouldn't have to be, you know, that much better to, to see some improvement. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it has to be really tough for a manager. And I think they do the same thing with the coaching staff too, in, in general, just where they work on these one year deals and it's secretive and no one really knows what the situation is. Um, so for, you know, what, what Elias has to see, I, I don't know. It seems like he likes having, you know, him, uh, around the young players. It seems like they like the culture that, that he's cultivated and he does what they want. Uh, so, you know, if he's in their plans beyond this year, I, I guess there's really no way for us to know that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's as we talk here on Friday morning, the three-year record for Hyde, 128 wins, 247 losses, a 341 winning percentage. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he has not had a whole lot of talent on these three rosters uh, that he has been managing. And, and most of that, obviously, not really his doing. And and so, you know, I was actually on a, another podcast, uh, Locked on Phillies here this week. We were talking about the Orioles Phillies series. And we also kind of talked about managers because this was right when the, the Hyde news came out. And I think Philly fans are kind of disappointed in what they've gotten from Joe Girardi. And we got into a good conversation that I kind of wanted to, to pose to you about, like, what, how do you evaluate a manager besides just wins and losses? Because obviously, if a team has high expectations and you win 60 games, you're going to get fired. And if a team has low expectations and you win 90 games, you're going to be praised forever. But in those in any other case besides that, it can be tough to evaluate a manager. And I, I just wanted to ask you, like, what things do you look 
at when you're trying to decide if, you know, a, a guy like Hyde or, or even a guy on a more competitive team is kind of a good or bad manager? You know, a lot of fans over-evaluate what a manager does. Like they, they look at, you know, things like pitching changes from the bullpen and maybe pinch hitting for certain players at, at different points of the game. And that, that stuff matters, but it maybe doesn't matter as much as a lot of people think that it does. So a, a lot of it's behind closed doors and we just don't know. Yeah, a lot of it, you know, I feel like can be, as you talked about, you know, relationships, uh, buying in. I feel like a lot of it's just buying in to what the front office is telling you. Because these days, I mean, a lot of decisions are made from the top down. And there's a lot of people who are working nine to five and more every day to figure out where guys should play, where they should be positioned, you know, who should hit where in the lineup. And I feel like kind of less maybe kind of falls on the manager in 2021 baseball. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even, you know, dealing with the press, um, I think Hyde is, is really good with that. That's something that, you know, fans might not really care about, but that's something that matters on a day-to-day basis. You know, can you handle, uh, you know, th- the same questions being thrown at you about your team losing every single day? I mean, that, that's something that you have to be able to handle and handle it well. And I think that he does. Um, he does do that. I, I can't remember many blow-ups or it, it has to be maddening at times. And you can see it on his face during games. Um, but a lot of that stuff, I mean, you have to be a, a professional. And, and I do think he's professional. And I do think he seems like a pleasant person. And I, I find him amusing. But, you know, in, in terms of like having a really strong take, I, I don't know how you can be like, oh, he's the worst manager ever. Or, you know, even on the other side, like you think he's just fantastic. I don't, I don't understand how you could really know that with the rosters that, that he's been given and, you know, just what the teams have looked like. Uh, it, there's no surprise at all these teams have been losing. And if you thought otherwise, I, I, you know, I have no idea what you're looking at. Yeah, I did want to get into that a little bit because there has been a lot of those takes and, and maybe they're just a small subset of people on Twitter who are, are, are talking this way. But, you know, it's it's a lot about, oh, you know, Brandon Hyde can't manage this bullpen or he, or he sits guys in the lineup on the wrong day. And I mean, really, the way I see it and I know the way you see it, too, is just you look into that bullpen and you know, who is Brandon Hyde supposed to bring into the game? Like, yeah, at times this year and at times over the last few years, the Orioles have had some good relievers and, you know, they've either traded those guys away or they have Paul fried and they've magically disappeared, disappeared midway through the season. But, you know, he's generally had a couple of go-to guys, but you can't pitch those guys every night. And when, you know, over his last three seasons, when you've looked behind those two or three pretty good major league relievers, the Orioles have had, it's just kind of been a barren wasteland of, of guys being cycled through from waiver claims and triple a. And so it's kind of almost like the question, like, okay, you wouldn't have put Tanner Scott in here. Like who else are you going to put into the game? And I feel like that's the position he's kind of been in for three years. Yeah. Any, anytime I get in a discussion like this, it's always something like, uh, you know, Brandon Hyde should have brought in Connor green here instead of someone else, or Chris Ellis should have been able to go a couple more batters. And I'm like, these guys weren't even on the team. You don't even really know anything about them. They're probably not good. They've been on the waiver wire. Like, so, you know, it's, it's easy to say he should have done this or that. Those players that are going to help the team aren't on the team. And, you know, if you want to blame Elias for, for that, I mean, it, it makes more sense to blame him than, you know, Brandon Hyde. Yeah, it's, it really showed itself in the, in the bullpen game on, on Tuesday night against the Phillies because even some of the Orioles good relievers from this year are not here Scott on the IL Paul Fry being in AAA at the moment Tyler Wells you know went through a little bit of a rough patch and and you saw what an Orioles bullpen game looked like and it almost worked but some of the names they brought out of the bullpen 
you know, a lot of those guys are just not part of the even 2022 or Orioles, it seems like. And kind of w- one more thing I, I did want to ask, it, it kind of goes along with the you know question of how would you evaluate Brandon Hyde in 2022 to give him you know a, another year or another couple years or whatever it may be. You know, what are kind of your expectations for Hyde once he gets a competitive team? And I don't even know if that'll be next year, but say he's around for 23 and the Orioles are at least trying to build something that year where they are competitive. Like, what do you see changing in Hyde or what kind of expectations would you have for him if he he, he makes it that long as Orioles manager? Um, I think a lot of it comes down to when, you know, something like when you look at the bullpen and you see you know, workloads for, for some relievers who, who might not deserve it. Um, you know, a lot of those guys are getting pushed too hard and maybe getting used too early in the game because pitchers are only throwing, starting pitchers are only throwing three or four innings. So I think getting a lot of those guys out of there, a lot of those guys on the roster who, who are below average players and just having them replaced by league average guys is going to be a big help. Um, I don't know if a lot of that is, is necessarily Brandon Hyde's fault, but I think it's easier to judge what a manager is doing when he has competent options to use and maybe it makes more sense to compare relievers or players who aren't playing. Um, and I also think that, you know, maybe the workload would be different after having a full season. So kind of to wrap up here, you know, we talked about what it could look like for Brandon Hyde if the team's good, what it looks like next year, which I think is a, a big year for him and for the Orioles, obviously. But it, in your gut, you know, we all know this answer because, again, the one-year extension for 2022, I don't think a lot of people expect the Orioles to compete next year. So, you know, Brandon Hyde is not under contract yet for a team that we think will compete for the Orioles. So what is Matt, your gut telling you, you know, will Brandon Hyde be the manager of the next, you can answer it as good or at least competitive Orioles team. Like will Brandon Hyde be that guy for the O's? If I had to guess, I'd say no. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I just think maybe it, Mike Elias has someone in mind that he'd like to go to. Um, I know fans are throwing out guys like, uh, you know, Buck Britton, I couldn't tell you like a lot of managerial style for, for what, you know, what it is for Buck Britton. Um, I know there are some other options out there that fans are targeting. Maybe it's someone like Joe Espada on the Astros, uh, on the Astros bench. Um, you know, those are two guys. I don't know. There, there might be someone in mind, maybe even a, a veteran manager who he wants to throw in there who can work with, you know, the, the same kind of thing that, that Hyde does, uh, you know, analytically friendly, but also, you know, that old school, uh, can rally the guys behind him, similar to things that like Hyde was doing, uh, you know, with the Robbie Ray situation, um, <laughs> which got a lot of attention, but I actually kind of enjoyed. And I thought it was pretty good. And it seemed like the players enjoyed it too. So, you know, maybe that means that Hyde will stick around because the players like him, but I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Elias has someone in mind and they kind of throw him in there in the mix when, when things seem like they're, they're going to, you know, be more competitive, as you said. Yeah, it could be a, a tough situation for Hyde if it, if it doesn't end up, with him at the helm when, when they are, you know, trying to win baseball games again, because he was the guy who kind of had to suffer through this at times. I mean, I know obviously he, you know, has to enjoy being a major league manager. That's what he was working his career to get to. And, you know, he said he was excited to come back in 2022, but he would definitely be getting the short end of the stick. If, you know, the Orioles finally get it together, sign some free agents, the, you know, prospects are working and, and, you know, Hyde does not come back, but we shall see. But for now, you know, I, I feel like we're on the same page with, you know, what's he supposed to do? He's, you know, bought into what Michael Elias is selling, and he has at least earned that extra year into 2022. But Matt, thank you so much for joining the podcast once again, talking about uh, Brandon Hyde. And, and hopefully people who are listening kind of do realize that, you know, any manager in this position 
with uh, these rosters is not winning any more than 60 games. And I think that's what makes it so tough to evaluate, but hopefully uh, things start to, to look up as Hyde comes back next year. So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about betonline.ag, which is back and better than ever. As all eyes are on the gridiron, teams are back on the field to start another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Football, you say? That includes Justin Tucker, hitting from 66 yards out to beat the Lions. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. And while you're there, also plug in that promo code Locked On so they know that we sent you. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. At betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using rockauto.com and their family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers just like you for over 20 years. And here's the best part. RockAuto.com's prices are reliably low for every single customer. And they have everything you could need, from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And here's the other thing. I know nothing about cars, but I can go to RockAuto.com, I can navigate the website easily, find what I need, and get it for a good price. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So our thanks again to Matt Kremnitzer for joining the podcast once again. Of course, he covers the Orioles over at PressBox. He used to write for The Athletic, Camden Depot. Uh, he's contributed to Masson before, a great Orioles writer. Uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, if you're on Twitter and you're not following Matt uh, in Orioles land, you're doing it wrong. That's at Matt Kremnitzer, uh, a great Orioles follow and a great mind to talk about the birds. And it's definitely an interesting conversation about Brandon Hyde. And, and kind of the reason that I had Matt on specifically to talk about this Brandon Hyde news is that you know he's been kind of the guy who has put together a lot of these just really bad takes from from some Orioles fans. And hopefully if you're one of these people that has this take that, you know, it's Brandon Hyde's fault that the Orioles are losing this many games. Like, you got to take a step back and look at what he's working with. Like, if you listen to yesterday's episode of the pod on Monday, I talked about how decimated the Orioles' bullpen is right now with injuries. And I talked about, you know, what the bullpen looked like back in April versus what it looks like now. And there's obviously some different different names. Guys have been DFA'd, traded, and are on the injured list. And, you know, we're at the point where the Orioles probably only trust Cole Saucer and maybe Dylan Tate out of the current bullpen for the final week of the season as they're trying to play spoiler against playoff teams. And it's just like, who does Brandon Hyde go to? You can't get, you know, six outs from Cole Saucer every night. Like, you got to put these guys in. And when you look at this current roster that he has to deal with, it's hard to get more than the 50 wins that he's gotten out of him right now. Like, I thought he did a great job getting 25 wins in the 2020 season. And so, you know, if you're going to get mad about Brandon Hyde's bullpen usage, like, 
There's got to be a bullpen there for him to use before you can even consider what he's doing with a pen. He's right now working with legitimately one good reliever in Cole Sulcer. Like Dylan Tate is good at times, but he's overall just all right. And then everybody else is completely unproven. That's what he's working with. So, you know, there was a lot of talk in the game over the weekend when Tyler Wells got injured. You know, he gave up a triple to the first batter uh, when the Orioles were leading 5-3 to three in the ninth um, against the Rangers. And, and you know, Connor Green comes in and, and you know, he gives up the, the couple of runs. And, you know, the Orioles give up five runs in the ninth. And people are mad at, first of all, mad at Brandon Hyde for bringing in Connor Green. Uh, you obviously didn't watch the game and see Tyler Wells get injured and have to leave the game. But, like, who else do you want to go to? Like, oh, no, we brought in Connor Green. The you know rookie reliever with no closing experience should have gone to Marcos Duplan, the other rookie reliever with no closing experience and a similar ERA. I mean, that's what we're looking at right now. And until Hyde has some real weapons that he can go to, and hopefully that starts in 2022, we can't really evaluate him. And that is is really the the, the point we're trying to get across. And uh, definitely a good conversation with Matt Kremnitzer on that. But despite the bullpen injuries uh, that he has to deal with, Brandon Hyde's got to go back out there once again tonight and uh, manage this Orioles team as they try to play spoiler. Once again, on the 10-year anniversary of the Curse of the Andino, the Orioles host the Boston Red Sox for a three-game series starting tonight with the Red Sox holding on for dear life. They got a one-game lead on the Blue Jays for the second wildcard spot in the American League. The Orioles could potentially knock the Red Sox out of the playoff push in this series. And it all starts tonight between the O's and the Red Sox. Sox coming in 88-68, and 68, just were swept in a three-game set at home against the Yankees over the weekend. And first for the Red Sox, well, they're going to send their ace out there. Chris Sale, the 32-year-old lefty, making his eighth start off the injury list after the Tommy John surgery this season. Sale in 35 innings in his previous seven starts, 39 strikeouts, a 2.57 ERA for Sale on the season. And of course, somehow, some way, he's only made uh, the eight starts. This will already be his third against the Orioles. His first start off the IL came against the O's at Fenway Park on August 14th. He went five innings, allowing two runs on six hits, eight Ks, no walks, but he did allow two solo homers in the game. Then he also faced the Orioles on September 17th uh, at Fenway Park. Another five innings, one run, two hits, a strikeout, a hit batter, and another solo home run allowed. And then Sale's last start, which came against the Mets last week, he went five innings, two runs, six hits, eight Ks, and two walks. He's still got the good stuff. He's still slinging it out there, and he's going to be the Red Sox ace if they can get into the postseason. Now, on the other side for the Orioles, it is a very much welcome return for Bruce Zimmerman, who the 26-year-old lefty is going to come back to make at least this one final start and potentially uh, could make one more start before the season ends for the Orioles. Now, to be honest, I have no idea if there's going to be pitch restrictions, inning restrictions on Zimmerman going in the game tonight, but I do know he is the starting pitcher. And the one thing that does help in terms of, you know, thinking about will he have any kind of limitations on him is, yes, he did have bicep tendonitis in his left arm and his throwing arm, which put him on the injured list uh, earlier this season and caused him to miss a whole lot of time. He ended up on the 60-day IL. Uh, but for Zimmerman, you know, although that is a throwing arm thing, that's not exactly the same as the shoulder or the elbow, obviously a very different kind of injuries. He has not pitched for the Orioles since he started in Tampa Bay all the way back on June 13th. We are talking about three and a half months here since Zimmerman has pitched for the Orioles. Now, you know, he's made rehab starts in AA and AAA since then. But, you know, the other good thing about it is that Zimmerman was set to return, you know, back in August. 
And then he had a training injury when he was, you know, just working out, getting himself back. He suffered a pretty bad ankle sprain when he was training and it put him on the shelf again and pushed him back another month at least. And that's why we're all the way here to September 28th, finally getting him back on the mound. The reason I say that could be good in terms of innings limits or pitch limits is that he's not directly coming off the arm injury. He had been good with the arm injury, you know, six weeks ago. Now it was the ankle thing and he's pitched, you know, in these uh, games in the minors and he's been able to not exactly give a lot of length, but go three plus innings and he should be able to give the Orioles four or five potentially, although I don't see him going deep into the game tonight, but it's fantastic to have Zimmerman back before the injury, 12 appearances, 11 starts for the Orioles. He had a 4.83 ERA for the birds in 59 and two thirds innings. This season for Bruce Zimmerman, he allowed 68 hits, struck out 53, walked 20, and allowed 12 home runs on the season. Had a 147 whip and a 287 batting average against him. The last time we saw him, he was actually really good in June before he got injured. The last time we saw him pitch, June 13th in Tampa, five and two-thirds innings, three runs, six hits, three Ks, and three walks. And that was coming off of two really good starts, really three really good starts before that, where he went May 27th, five innings, one run, six Ks against the White Sox. June 1st, five and a third, two runs, seven Ks against the Twins. And June 8th, five innings, two runs, seven Ks against the Mets. He was striking out a lot of batters and looking good. It was really a tough time for Zimmerman because those were his best starts of the year before he got injured. Now, in terms of the Boston Red Sox, remember Zimmerman's first two starts of the season came against Boston. He started in that opening series on April 4th, helped the Orioles complete the sweep at Fenway Park, went six innings, allowing three runs on four hits, struck out five, walked one, and gave up a homer. And then the very next week, six days later on April 10th, he faced the Red Sox at Camden Yards, was pretty good once again. Six innings, three runs, seven hits, four Ks, a walk, and another home run allowed. So he's had success against the Red Sox. We'll see if he can do it in this one. But again, if he's you know held to, to three or four innings, we'll probably see him pitch at least one more time, potentially uh, Saturday or, or most likely Sunday uh, against the Blue Jays. But it also could be just one final start on the year. But awesome that Zimmerman made it back. And again, right now, if you had to pick, like I'm penciling him in to the Orioles opening day rotation in 2022. I know it only ended up being for the O's here, the, the essentially 12 starts, but they were good enough with the 4.83 ERA, and you know it could have been lower than that. And he gave the Orioles, you know, five or six every time he went out there, and you know, th- two to four runs. You'll take that every time. And I like what I see from Zimmerman, and I think he should be penciled into the rotation next year. Very excited to get him back for one start, but I will say. Don't get crazy disappointed if he gets rocked early or, you know, gives up five or six runs, only gets through two or three innings. All this time off, multiple injuries, facing a really good Red Sox lineup with really good right-handed hitters against the lefty and Zimmerman. Uh, You know, it could be rocky, and that won't change my opinion uh, that he will be in the Orioles starting uh, opening day, starting rotation, I should say, in 2022. But definitely excited to see the hometown kid, Bruce Zimmerman, who pitched at Loyola Blakefield, uh, come back and make at least one more start this season. And hopefully he can start to play spoiler for the Orioles tonight. And then we'll be back with you 
on the podcast tomorrow. We'll recap game one between the Orioles and the Red Sox. Hopefully, we're recapping an Andino-like moment on the 10-year anniversary. Uh, And then we are going to talk a little more Red Sox. Lauren Campbell is going to join us. She is the new co-host of Locked on Red Sox here on Locked on Podcast Network. And she's going to come on to talk about the Red Sox season in general, how they got themselves to this point where they're battling for a wild card spot, how their schedule plays out the rest of the year. We'll talk about the pitching matchups for the rest of the series, including uh, their really ace besides sale in Nathan Eovaldi going in the Wednesday game. And we'll also talk about how Red Sox fans feel still about the Andino moment 10 years ago, and if any of them are fearful that it could happen again against the Orioles here in 2021. And of course, we'll get you set for Game 2 tomorrow night against Boston. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.